Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I'm a very tired and oftentimes overwhelmed autism warrior mom who has navigated the ups and downs of this puzzling disorder for 16 years and counting. My hope when creating this podcast was that it would serve as a vessel for connecting families with special needs children so we may share experiences and resources. But even more importantly, I want to create a community of support for one another through the tough times, which we know there can be many, and to celebrate the achievement of milestones, big and small, of our amazing kids. So thanks again for joining me on this journey and for tuning in for this episode of Living the Sky Life. On today's episode, I'm excited to welcome back a guest that I had many months ago um, because honestly, we ran out of time and there were so many more topics that we wanted to cover. So the guest today is Kelly. Most of you uh, know her on social media um, with her handle, Growing Up Steven. Um, Kelly and I spent some time talking about the various challenges that face parents when their son or daughter ages out of traditional services and opportunities around the age between 18 and 22. Um, You know, for example, at the age of 18, there are many steps that need to be taken on your um, young adult's behalf, such as filing for social security benefits, perhaps seeking legal counsel to prepare either a power of attorney or guardianship. So we get into all of that and much more. And I also had the distinct pleasure of asking Stephen um, a question, and he makes an appearance on this part two episode with Kelly from Growing Up Stephen. On today's episode of the podcast, I have the opportunity to talk again with Kelly from Growing Up Stephen. We had so many things to talk about, and after the last uh, episode aired, um, we realized there's a whole nother Um, worthy of information for a second episode. So Kelly, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. We we talked about a lot of things in part one. Um, We talked about Stephen's diagnosis and graduating from high school and a little bit about, you know, just keeping a healthy marriage and maintaining um, your relationship with your spouse um, and not losing all of yourself to autism. Um, right. So I kind of want to, which is um, easily done, by the way, it's easily absolutely. done. <laughs> I'm living proof of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I wanted to pick up kind of at that age where I know Stephen didn't graduate from high school at 18, but uh, roughly at that age of 18, where we have to start making some parenting decisions about the future, whether it's setting up trusts, getting power of attorney or guardianships, social yes. security, all of that stuff. And maybe can you kind of walk through some of the things that you started around that age for Steven? Um, yes. The the number one thing that I knew I wanted to do um, when he turned 18, once they turn 18, they are considered an adult. So you have to look into all the different things that they need and that will protect them moving forward. Meaning, Um, you know, whether it's financially um, or, you know, just all the things they need to kind of put a little bit of a bubble around them where they're protected. Um, So the first thing, when they're 18, the one thing I want to stress is once they are 18, if you do not have power of attorney, um, which is where you make the decisions for them, 
or guardianship. And, and like I've talked to you before, I'm not as, as versed on the guardianship because he does not have that. He has the power of attorney, but the guardianship is basically where they lose all their rights. Um, so if your child, if you feel like your child's not capable of making their own decisions at all, um, guardianship is definitely the way to go. But I would like to say that if your child is in school until the age of 22, it is very important that either guardianship or power of attorney is done with your child through an attorney because the schools will no longer talk to you. They talk to your child. And believe me when I tell you that happens. They bring they, the parents, they don't want the parents, um, um, basically it's a legal thing where they're not allowed to talk to the parents anymore once your child becomes an adult. And a lot of people do not know that if their child's in school until the age of 22, I have even seen nonverbal children have an issue with this where parents did not know to get guardianship or power of attorney and they would not speak to the parents when the child turned 18 because the even though the child was nonverbal it does not matter is that crazy <laughs> it is crazy i mean how do, how does anyone in their right mind let you know carry on with that knowing that the parents are you know the voice for the child if they can't have a voice of their own I mean, mm -hmm. how would you just check a box and go, yep, we had the IEP or whatever it is with the Yeah, we had, yeah, we had uh, Stephen's IEP and, and he signed off on everything <laughs> or he nodded his head yep. or I mean, crazy that they, and they really need to start telling you this when your child turns about 16, 17, because right. it takes a lot of planning. Um, but the reason we went with power of attorney is we felt that, you know, we really thought about it long and hard. And we, we talked to Stephen's attorney and she spoke with Stephen and explained to him what power of attorney meant that we would make the decisions for him. And, um, and, but he would still keep his rights, meaning he would be allowed to vote, um, uh, things like that, things along those, that nature. Mm -hmm. But, um, and believe it or not, voting is so important to Stephen. He loves watching the candidates debate. And he <laughs> so he's really, the one. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one. But the thing about it is he puts so much thought and, um, and also, you know, I wanted him to be able, where he could, to make some decisions for himself. Sure. And when you have got uh, guardianships, guardianship, it's much, much more difficult. They cannot make any decisions for themselves. So power of attorney lets you um, kind of, again, put them in a bubble, but also allows them to still help make decisions for themselves. So right now, that's why we have decided that power of attorney was best for Stephen. And it's, you know, it's, it's a case by case thing. And absolutely. Uh, as I get older and Stephen gets older, we could totally shift to guardianship. You know, we don't know yet what we're going to do. You know, we think about it often uh, because it's all about what is in his best interest. And let's just be honest, there's some bad 
people in this world. Mm -hmm. And they are ready to take advantage of our most vulnerable population at any time. Yeah. And so, so you know, that's what we, we struggle with, with that decision. Well, and by the powers of Google, I, um, I was able to kind of look up, there really isn't much of a difference between guardianship and power of attorney. Right. At least according to this document, it says that um, you, guardianship is, is granted and appointed by the court. Someone yes. is appointed by the court, whereas um, the attorney draws up the power of attorney um, and appoints an agent to act on, you know, in your case, in, on Stephen's behalf. So it sounds right. like the power of attorney is more of a consultive kind of. That's correct. And I do know you um, going to court and um, is required for guardianship and they, they in a public court name the guardian and, you know, so it's more of a, right. a legality and formality guardianship is so it also says that a power of attorney which i didn't know this um that a power of attorney can be revoked at any time and a guardianship cannot so once like for us it would definitely be a guardianship situation and That's, um, yes you know, once the court appointed um you know myself to, to be his guardian for life um that would not be able to be revoked by him or anyone else um that's correct and that it. protects him mm -hmm. that's why it's so important yeah yeah, but we can in our will. Uh, my husband and in our will, we have all the paperwork is combined, and his power of attorney is in there. And then, should something happen to us, then the next person takes over, which would be his brother, uh -huh. and then his sister. You know, it goes it goes on like that. So, right. you know, get it in writing, and yeah. you know, just look into both and make the best decision possible for your child because it's, you know, so important. Those are such tough conversations to have, especially wills. Um, I mean, we're not going to be here forever. And it's, mm -hmm. those are the things that we have to plan for so much earlier than most parents think about, but it's right. really important to have a will. It's really important if you do have a trust or some kind of um, an account um, for your special needs child that, right. that you name out just like you would your um, power of attorney um, document, you would name out whoever is going to manage that trust beyond yourself. Correct. And Correct. that's a scary topic because, you know, while I trust my daughter, you know, if as being the person that would handle his trust and all of that, should we not be here any longer? Um, you know, who knows if she marries someone and they, you know, exactly trust. I mean, it's a scary thought. It's I would a hope very scary yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you just have to think of all of those things. And I also wanted to say um, for people to in look up or um, investigate a special needs trust yeah, and enable, and enable, yeah, Stephen has a special needs trust and an ABLE account. Um, those are um, where you're both of those things when you're, if your child um, starts working when they become an adult. Both of those things cannot be held against them. For those that don't know, when you turn 18, you can apply and receive SSI on your own accord. It has nothing to do with your, when your child is under 18, it has everything to do with your parents' finances. When they turn 18, it's all about you as the adult. So when they are 18, they can apply for SSI and when if when and if they get a job um, every dollar they make ssi takes away a dollar which seems 
unethical, but that's what they do. However, if your child has money in a special needs account or money in an ABLE account, um, that cannot be touched. It's not counted against them and it cannot be touched. So you can always put money away in those accounts to try to, you know, offset what they're losing for their SSI. So what is an ABLE account? Um, An ABLE account is, it, it's, it's similar to a special needs, uh, again, Stephen does not have one of those, so I don't know all the ins and outs about the ABLE account. Um, it's definitely worth looking into. I, I like a special needs trust. I feel like it's, um, it was everything that we were looking for for Stephen, and other people can put money in it, like grandparents and right. relatives and stuff like that, which I like. Um, and an ABLE account is, again, it's something that you they hold in, in the bank, and you can put money into it, and it does not count against their SSI or, you know, when they're, when, if they get a job any of that money. You can, you can continually put money in there and it's not held against them. So I recommend starting one with one of those counts. If your child has a diagnosis at two, start it at two. Right. Yeah. Even if yeah. it's $5. That's a right. Week that I, a dollar. That adds a dollar. Very fast. Right. If I would have put a dollar in, <laughs> if I would have known, I would have put a dollar a week in there, a dollar, whatever, you know, you can, and, and, but, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, that's why we're talking about this now, because those who have younger children, it's really a good idea to look into both accounts, and, and you can consult an attorney about that, you know, attorneys have strong opinions on what's the better way to go, they, you know, so. Actually, yeah, we consulted with our attorney to draw up the special needs trust years ago yeah. and then our CPA because they're the ones who educate us on, you know, how it, it depends on how much money you put in there and how much interest it earns. Then you have right. to do a separate little tax form on it. Um, right. But, you know, to my understanding, and I'll have to look into um, the ABLE account mm-hmm. differences, but um, I, I like yeah, there the- are definitely are some differences, but the, the most important thing is they both protect um, they, they will not take SSI. The reason SSI is so important because there are no guarantees that our children will get jobs, mm-hmm. keep a job or any, and if those, if that SSI gets taken away from them and they have no, um, financial means to fall back on at all, um, it's, it, it can be hard to get the SSI back. I always I, and I always recommend if you feel like your child, when they become an adult, will not be gainfully employed, do not always set up their work situation where they do not totally lose their SSI, even if they still get $10 a month. Mm-hmm. Because once that SSI is lost, it's, a, it's not easy to get back. I have known people that that has happened to, and it is not easy to get back. It's been years of fighting to try to get it back for their child. So is it, um, with regard to the SSI process, is that something you can start to, to look into and do some paperwork before they're 18 or you cannot do absolutely anything until their 18th birthday? No, you cannot do, you can look into what all, here's what I tell people starting around 17, start to get your ducks in a row as far as um, getting 
um, letters from therapists, from doctors, from as much documentation as you can possibly get in your hands from teachers, you know, um, from everybody that has treated your child and knows the extent of your child's disability, get all of those ready and have them ready to hand over to an SSI, um, the person who processes the case. Because Stephen was, I don't know what the percentage is, the percentage is high that when you apply when you're 18, uh, you get denied almost nine times out of 10. That's so crazy. I had to, Ugh. I know, Stephen had to appeal. And I had some advice from a friend who, who dealt with um, Social Security many times, you know, before in her job. And she said, get as much documentation together as you can. So I got therapists to write letters, doctors to write letters. And I went with a huge file and handed it all over. And it was turned over to a um, the person, the appeals person who decided his case, and he was approved within two days. Yeah. So do you think if you start with all that stuff and, and have a yes. huge stack of documentation, you might avoid the need for yes. appeal? Yes. That, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't clear about that. But definitely go to the table the first time with all your documentation. Have it all ready. The more, the better. And give them... Um, you know, as much as much knowledge and information on your child's disability as possible to avoid the appeal because the appeal is not fun. So, and then if they deny the second appeal, then you have to go to mediation and you don't ever want it to get to that because that could take years. And Meanwhile, it's expensive you, if you have anybody representing you to it's try very to make sure. Very yeah. expensive. And then your child goes years without any income, which falls on the parents you know, to meet their needs. And so mm -hmm. it's just, it's just, you know, and another thing a lot of people do not understand. And I like to always tell parents because you're blindsided is once they qualify on their own accord for SSI every few years. And I, I, I don't mean to make light of it at all, but I, I laugh about it. And Stephen and I laugh about it. They will put Stephen through all kinds of evaluations with quote unquote their people to make sure <laughs> he still has autism. Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> oh yeah. So I say, Stephen, it's time. We got to go make sure you still have autism. Time to go. And he cracks up and he think I and and for lack of a better word, these doctors that you have to go to are are crazy. They are they don't have never quite met they're, they just don't know what they are doing. They, they read questions off of a sheet, a scripted sheet. They don't know. And, and my advice to parents when that happens is sit back. Do not help your child answer a question. Do not help your child. I mean, he has to, he has to walk. The, literally, his last um, evaluation, they had a line on the floor. And before he walked the line, like a DUI test, they asked him if he did any illegal substances, <laughs> um, any of that. And he says, he's like, no, I would never do that, you know. And so then they had him walk the line oh to see if he could walk a straight line, which, of course, he couldn't. 
And um, under normal circumstances, I would say, Stephen, you know, I would give him tips and stuff like that, but I just sit back and I let it fall where it may. Yeah. That's the one evaluation. You don't want to chime in at all. (laughs) That no. And they are out. Sadly, they are out to take all of their benefits from them. And that is the sole purpose of reevaluating our kids periodically. And it usually happens every two to five years. They'll do it. Are they notified? Are you notified by mail or something? You are noted. Yes, you are notified by mail and you have 30 days to respond. If you do not respond, they will take the SSI away for not for non-compliance. Do they determine the SSI based on, I mean, like, you know, maybe in Steven's case too, but initially Skyler won't have a job. I mean, he is a hundred percent reliant on us for everything. So, and obviously having the trust, he has no income and that when they look at just him, they don't look at our income or anything like that. So with him having zero income and having needs to take care of himself, food, clothing, shelter, all of that stuff, how do they determine an SSI amount? The amount, they basically, if they have zero income, they should Mm -hmm. get the highest amount for under their like tier or category or whatever, Uh um, which is only about, I want to say the the average, the average person gets about $780 a month. Right. And Another thing that once they qualify, if they don't have a job, which most of our kids, I mean, Stephen's been out of school almost 10 years, he still doesn't have one. They also qualify for your state's food assistance. Um, So when you get SSI, um, sometimes depending upon your state, you will automatically qualify for food assistance, but generally you have to apply for those as well. And sadly, (laughs) that I mean, it's just all needs to change so much. The food assistance is anywhere for for your child, whether you are alive or not alive, anywhere from $27 a month and the max is $194 a month. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I didn't expect it to be very much. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. That's yeah. not even possible. So, I just worried how, that if I wasn't here, how in the heck would that, he? That's right. That's my biggest worry. I think to myself, if, if I wasn't around, my child is supposed to live off 20, which by the way, when he first got approved, they gave him $27 a month. How if, is he supposed to eat? It's not even a dollar a day. No. <laughs> That's what they want are disabled, vulnerable adults to be able to live off of. It's, I mean, they don't care. They yeah. just don't care. And if they did care, it wouldn't be $27 a month. Yeah. So, oh my goodness. but they have, they have millions and millions and millions of dollars to put in research of why children have autism. Yeah. And we never see anything you know, publicly about anything that they've uncovered or discovered or anything at all. We're all just kind of winging it and helping each other out. (laughs) Instead, let's treat the problems at hand. And that's putting, making program, having programs for children, adults, financial assistance for families. How about having to give up your job as a primary caregiver because you have no help with your, with your child? Yeah. And it's, I wish all states would, you know, kind of regulate and do similar things. Um, yeah. One of the other podcaster friends that, that I have, and I'm sure you know too, um, her daughter 
she's going through all this process. She's a year older than Skylar. And um, she has told me years ago that California, at least the county they live in, um, but California has been phenomenal with, with that aspect. You know, mm -hmm. she has to stay home with her daughter and the state basically pays her a salary right. to stay home so that they don't put her daughter in an institution and have the state pay for it that way. They would mm -hmm. much prefer, and so would families, I'm sure, much prefer their children to remain in their home. And so they're right. paying her to basically be her therapist, her, you know, maid, her, everything that we do as stay at home parents, right? They, they compensate that. And I love that idea. I, <laughs> I know. And the, the, I, I think it's fantastic and I love to see it. And the problem comes in when that is one of the very few areas doing it. Yeah. And I it's mean, expensive it, to live in California. So we all can't just move. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's rare that you hear that. It's, yeah, it that is. is the rare. I mean, most states do not do that. And we have a, um, what's called a, a a Medicaid waiver here. Uh -huh. We do too. And, okay. And so I don't know what your waiting list, but our waiting list is 10 plus years. Yep. Ours was too. And Skylar was on it at like age two. I think they told us as soon as he got his diagnosis around three, they told us to go ahead and get on it. Or as soon as mm -hmm. the state funded first steps ended um, mm -hmm. for at age three, they said, get yeah. on the waiver. And we were on it um, at least six years before he finally got it. And then when we get it, it's so little hours that it's it's only it's minuscule enables, it's, yeah it's yeah you can have respite like a few hours a month and then mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's therapy the, and that's it that's right <laughs> it's terrible once you see what the services are after you've waited 10 years yeah they're not even worth being on the thing for 10 years you're better off looking into other avenues you spend a lot of money out of pocket getting to the point of being on the waiver and you think like you yeah. said all of these bills and insurance denials that have piled up are going to go away and it's not right. the case. That's right. That's right. So, well, you know, so it's a lot of things. It is a lot of things. Are there more financial things or are those the, the bulk of what you should really start focusing on at about age 17 and getting all your ducks in a row for yeah, the guardianship? I, I've, those are the, and you know, again, to really look and research your state because every mm -hmm. state is different. Some states have more than other states and some states have less than others. So, you know, it just, it just depends upon your state and, and the, the focus in every single state should be where Cal, what California does, but yeah. you know, They've met their match when they deal with special needs parents because usually we all research quite heavily and we know way more about what's offered and their jobs than they do. So right. I think they get nervous when we come in because definitely. But you know, when you know your child is two and they've just been diagnosed, you are so overwhelmed with just that yep. that you aren't thinking about. I better start a special needs trust. I better start enabling. I better get a will going. Yep. I better, you know, I better start researching what an IEP is. I better start researching, you know, um, what happens when they turn 16. I better worry about their transition plan. I mean, you cannot do it. It's, it's so, you have to take each step at a time. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it's, That's a, why it's a lot. I think these conversations and, and all the podcasts that are out there now and, and all the blogs, this is why it's so helpful because you, right. you're right. I mean, right, right at the diagnosis, all you're trying to figure out is, okay, maybe if they're nonverbal, do I add speech therapy? What therapies do I need? What 
supplements. Right. What, what do I do at this point? Right. And then you kind of watch your child's progression. And if they don't progress as fast, we're out here to tell you, you know, we've got kids that are adults um, and here's what you need to do. And, and I'm more than happy to provide all this information when they're ready. You know, it is overwhelming, but it would be something that I wished I would have had to take yes. note of. Like, you know, if Skylar gets to be about seven or eight and he's still, you know, X, Y, Z, maybe I should start thinking about a special needs trust and all of that stuff. But um, right. nobody and how told about me any of that. Well, please, Stephen's almost, <laughs> Stephen is almost, almost 30. 30. Yeah. <laughs> and right. I mean, I might as well have raised him in the stone ages yeah. because nobody knew. I mean, when I would say, you know, Stephen has autism or, or someone would look at him or whatever. And I would just say, you know, he has autism or they would even ask questions, you know, just out of caring about him they would look at me when i said the word autism they would be like what is that it's a rare disorder <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so rare and um but you know so and i was like and that would make it so much worse for me because i had no even t doctors even yeah. doctors could, did not know how to help me i had to help my and you know sometimes some of that was good because you know um i i made up some of it as i went along and yeah. i'm telling you i think that was more helpful to steven than anything i'm sure i mean I, you know I, i'm just so i'm beyond grateful for you i i'm so happy that i met you because the i mean he is 10 plus years ahead of us. Um, yeah. And I've learned so much from you, just even all of your posts and information that you shared. This is what we needed years ago, but I'm just glad that we have it now. And, um, you know, well, I, I hate that you kind of have to pave the way, but uh, I'm sure there are others out there with 30 year olds and maybe 40 year olds um, yeah. that can definitely, you know, work work with you and, and show you some of the things. I mean, you've inspired yeah, oh, yeah. me. I mean, I mean, I've learned some things from parents with with little children. I mean, you mm -hmm. never stop learning. You never stop learning. And um, so I appreciate everybody as well. I appreciate, you know, looking at everybody's journey because I think we all can learn something. Yeah, and and you know what else too? I, I don't know if this, this is kind of a little off topic, but it's, it really saddens me for lack of a better word, the hate that's going on right now with people attacking parents with, you know, children with autism. And um, uh, like if, if your child um, has autism and you give an opinion or whatever, you know, your child, you, it's crazy to me. Like the other day when I posted a video of Steven, this person was so mean and she was like, why would you tell him he was doing it wrong? And I was thinking to myself, because he was doing it wrong. And <laughs> she was like, you were so mean to him. And I said, Stephen, it was just, it's so ridiculous. And we need to be supporting each other and yeah. not attacking each other. It's kind of just crazy. But No, I agree. I mean, it's hard. Parents, you want to be vulnerable and, and right. get involved in the sharing and, you know, and talk about right. their journey. Someone can learn something from it, but there's right. always that hesitation and fear that someone's going to judge them. And my gosh, I mean, our community alone, we need each other. We need right. the village of everyone speaking up. And, you know, I would love it if I put a video out and instead of tearing me down, they said, you know, I noticed your son does this and my son did this and this is what we did and it stopped it. You might want to try it. And I would be so grateful for that because right. I hadn't thought of it. 
So I mean, exactly. I'd rather they take pearls away instead of, you know, beating me down. Ugh. Right. That's exactly. Annoying. But there's also so many wonderful people out there. So, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I just, I just choose as you do to just be vulnerable and, you know, yeah. I'll just delete well, that's the why my, comments that my, are bad. <laughs> my account is private mm-hmm. and mine too. I, I'm trying to reach a certain group of people specifically to, so that I can help make a difference. That's why I started my page. And I also want them to get a glimpse of what an aut- uh, uh an adult with autism is like. And so I'm trying to do that. But if you are, um, you know, out there trolling what everything that is said, you know, you're not coming into my page. (laughs) So, so, you know, I just kind of take it as it comes, but that is one of the reasons I'm private. So. Yeah. I think one of the hard things too, that I've noticed is that, um, you know, there are adults on the spectrum who are obviously much higher functioning than, um, you know, my child, um, and have their own accounts, which is great. And they can teach, yeah. And they can teach us a lot about, you know, that I can only observe as a parent that I can't learn because I don't have autism myself. However, I, I do think that sometimes that the judgment comes in from that side when they're trying to explain to us, like, you know, don't do it that way because this is what your son is feeling and they don't like when you do that. Well, but you're also assuming that you know my child and you don't. That's right. I've lived with them. I raised them. I know exactly what his facial expressions mean. I know exactly when he's uncomfortable or when he's right. happy. Um, you know, I'm doing the best I can with the resources I have. I appreciate your suggestions, but just make and them suggestions and don't that's right. demean that's me right. for and not having a- the disorder myself. Yeah, there's a definite, you know, where they don't, you know, I even posted something not long ago about if you, you know, are going to tell, if you're an adult with autism, and you're going to tell a parent, you know, how to, to love their child, and how, you know, they feel like, you know, parents are, being too harsh with their kids and they, and, and, or, you know, don't, they're, they're even like, don't say with autism, say autistic, don't say, you know, and I, I get what they're saying. Um, as far as, you know, like if you, like, and they're, they're, they bash other groups and stuff like that. But here's my whole point about it all. They need to support everyone as much as the parents need to support everyone. Right. They, they all, everyone needs to be in it together, you know, but you know, when it comes down to it, everybody's going to have their opinion. Yeah. And I mean, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. I I, I learned years ago, or I was told years ago that, you know, never to call Skylar autistic or to say my autistic son, they're like, he's not, he is not autistic. Like you wouldn't describe somebody with their disability first. He is my son, Skylar, who has autism. Autism doesn't describe who he is as a person. Right. So don't lead with my autistic son. But then, like you said, you know, the, the autistic adults will say, you know, don't say with autism, say autistic. I'm like, oh right. my gosh, which way is it? Do I, we use the I puzzle know. piece? Do we not use the puzzle piece? People are offended by that. I, just I know don't. people are offended by the puzzle piece. <laughs> I'm not going to live know, my life like that. My No, I, I can't. Uh, but, you know, I will, I will say this. I go by if it bothers Stephen. That's all I have control over. I don't want to do anything to bother Stephen. You know, I will, I will say that 
I try to be mindful of that. And, and I, I agree um, that, you know, autism is not who they are. I mean, you know, they, they are autistic, but that's, that's not everything trait. about yeah. That's right. That's right. That's that's their diagnosis, you know. But um, I always tell uh, tell people this this story, and I'll tell it quick. Um, one time I was at, and this made me aware of my language, and and deciding that from now on I was going to ask Stephen, you know, how does this make you feel before I say it or do it or whatever. But we were at a doctor's appointment, and we um, the nurse was just clearly not educated for lack of a better word and she was like you need to um, get on the scale Stephen and so he just kind of stood there <laughs> and she said I said Stephen you got to get on the scale and um, I kind of helped him up there or whatever and um, she said I need you to stand still and so and then she started to get very very frustrated and kind of nasty with him and I, I don't know maybe he was like 12, 11, something like that. And I said, um, I would appreciate if you would look at his chart and um, um, he, uh, because he is autistic or he has autism and he just needs you to give clearer directions to him or whatever. And Steven started to get upset when I said that. And like, like he was vocal, like he was like, uh, like that. So he was making um, like an agitated sound. And um, so we just did, got on the scale, did what he had to do and we went to the room. And then when she left, I said, Stephen, why did you get upset um, at when I said that to you? And he says, because don't call me Stephen with autism. And I said, and then I said to him, I'm sorry, you know, I was trying to, get my point across to her because she was not being very nice. And I, you know, I wanted her to help you better. And he, I said, what should I have said to her instead? He said, just call me Stephen the regular. Oh, oh God. Yeah. My heart just ripped in yeah. half. <laughs> I know. So from then on, and before that, I really wasn't careful what I said, where I said, and to who I said, you know, but after that happened, it really struck me. And so I, that is why uh, I always try to go by how he is feeling because he is who, you know, I, I never want to offend anyone, but, you know, I, I talk about his self-worth a lot. And so it's very important to me that he has it. And I don't want to belittle that at all. So mm -hmm. that, that was just, I know I got sidetracked, but I just wanted to tell you that. No, it's a, it's a great, it's a great reminder. I mean, and I, we, Gosh, years ago, I, I used to get very upset when um, therapists or physicians or anyone talked about Skylar and his care and his, you know, future and just anything in front of him. Because I, I just remind everyone, I know, I know in my gut and I know in my heart that he understands everything we're saying. Right. Just because he can't verbally respond um, and you know articulate his thoughts right. on the matter doesn't mean that he doesn't understand us and that. You know, he might fill in all those bubbles on the tests, um, you know, as an 18 month old cognitive level or whatever, but that's not true. Right. You know, he follows simple commands all the time. We're like, go sit down, put your shoe, we're going to put your shoes on, sits down and sticks up a foot. He knows what we're asking. 
so I'm just, I always ask everyone the minute they start, I'm like, can we have this discussion in the other room or can we, you know, postpone this to when he's not around? Because right. I don't want to talk about him. That's a big misconception. So. I think that a lot of parents have is that their children aren't understanding and they are definitely understanding from a very young age. They understand everything that's going on. So did you clear it with him um, about the videos and stuff that you post on Instagram of him exercising and jumping rope and oh, yeah. all of those things. Yeah. Yes. He, I ask him if he has any ideas of, you know, what he wants to show. He loves it. He's a big part of it. <laughs> He's a star. He, I do not, I, yeah, I do not post anything without talking to him about it. And I show it to him before I post it. And there's been a couple of times he said, I don't want you to post that. <laughs> so I did not. You know, it's, it's up to, you know, it's up to him. Or one time he says, I want to say, tell everybody, you know, to have a good weekend or something like that. And I'll record it. And he said, hold on, start that over again. I didn't do that good or something Aww. like that. So, <laughs> well, so, yeah, he's a big, he's a big part well, of Well, and you guys obviously, you know, take fitness seriously in your family. Um, obviously, if for yes. people who don't follow growing up, Stephen, um, you know, you post a lot of walks with that you two take, um, a lot of running. I was cracking up at your like hill repeats um, the other day when you two were running. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. When I did all my marathon training, I hated hill repeats. So I was laughing because he was smiling through the whole thing. I'm like, Steven, <laughs> how can you he smile? It, yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, yeah, it's, it definitely, exercise definitely helps him and it helps the rest of it. I'm big in, I love like cross train classes I go uh -huh. to and things like that. And right now, of course, I cannot. So that's been kind of difficult. So I'm having to come up with, with other things. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I mainly do my workout for my mental health. I um, struggle, I've struggled um, and been diagnosed with a panic disorder. And um, I have a lot of anxiety issues and I think that exercise and even yoga, you know, meditation, that kind of thing is so important for me personally to do. Um, but I also have noticed that it helps Stephen with his anxiety and, you know, so I just think it's so important. Is that some, something that us. you found um, years and years ago or relatively in the last 10 years since he's been an adult that you have implemented for yourself and for him or? Uh, mm, uh, we've always been an active family. We always have been. Um, so that's kind of come natural. But when I was diagnosed with a, a panic disorder, I didn't really know what was going on. It kind of creeped up on me. And and I'm, I am not shy about saying that, well, I used to be shy. I used to hide it. But I, and of course, it's not the only thing, you know, your whole life um, has an effect on how you are as an mm -hmm. adult. But I feel that the overwhelming sense of Stephen and his autism and doing the just the overwhelming sense of responsibility for that and for my other two children to make sure that their lives were not you know thrown to the curb you know as well I feel that so many years of that had a huge impact on my mental health because during that time I really didn't do anything for myself. I did everything for my children because I made sure that their needs were met. And 
Um, so, but I think year after year after year of that, it catches up with you. And so when I was diagnosed, I started just having panic attacks. I mean, I could not even go into a store. That's how bad it got. I could not go into a store. And my husband was like, what is going on? I was like, I don't know. I, I would just get heart palpitations and um, I felt dizzy. And so when I started to go to therapy, I had to go to therapy because I couldn't even function. And when I did, I, they tried some medications and the medications were giving me terrible side effects. So I, that is when I really started to do an uptick in my workouts and do cross train classes and, you know, running and yoga and all kinds of anything I could get my hands on, I would do. And so when Steven started having more of his anxiety issues, you know, we just increased his activity too. And it, he'll be the first one to say it helps him. That's so, I love, I love families that can, you know, ask for what they need and, and that you, you know, moms who can say, listen, I, I need 30 minutes. I need 20 minutes. I need to walk away. I need to go for a walk by myself. I need right. to do something. And you know, it's okay. You're a better mom. I think if you can clear your mind Definitely. and exercise, I mean, I'm so tired sometimes, but honestly, if I don't get that workout in, even if I've had four hours of sleep, it just compounds right. on itself. And I just feel worse and worse and worse. I force myself to do th even 30 minutes of exercise or something. Right. Then I'll sleep better. Oh, and I agree. <laughs> so Oh, definitely. And, you know, I think even, you know, parents need to start when their children are young. And the importance of that is because, like I said, you cannot give all to a situation in your life and nothing to yourself or it will affect you. I don't, it might come 10 years later, but it's going to affect you somehow, some way. And it's going to come in the form of your mental or physical health or both. Absolutely. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm sure with your husband being a former college soccer player, <laughs> that, that comes uh, into play too. Oh, <laughs> it's just nice yeah, though that, definitely. that he can, you know, go out in the, in the yard and, and play soccer with Steven. I love those videos. I mean, they're both having such a good oh, time. I and I mean, it's just, a, Oh, Steven yeah. loves it so much. And, and listen, he, used to not even be able to kick a ball. So he's just making so much progress playing and, and yeah, he's just, you know, he loves it. He told me when last week when he, or over the weekend when he played, I just love that. <laughs> so I'm glad that he had fun. Well, and I know. can't wait to talk to him here in a few about uh, what he likes the most of his exercises. So yes. <laughs> you're going to be asking him so questions. He's really so funny because he's got such a sense of humor and he's very, you know, um, he's laughing and smiling and stuff. But if you turn a camera on him, a video on him, he is very serious oh. and it is all business and he is like I, I said Stephen it's not a job it's supposed to be for fun and he's like okay and so but he's just so funny when it when it comes to that like I'll, I'll he'll be laughing carrying on about something and I was like okay Stephen we're gonna get a uh, let's get a video of our some of our walk or whatever and I turn it on and immediately he gets serious <laughs> Skylar doesn't like me to taste him either. Like, it's funny because he'll be like deep belly laughing, like really 
carrying on and like crying because Josh is wrestling him or something and he's just cackling and laughing. And then the minute he sees me taping, they either stop laughing or he puts his hand up almost like, you know, no paparazzi, you know, like, <laughs> don't, don't tape me. I don't want you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, leave me I alone. Know. Not that camera. <laughs> Okay, Stephen, I am so glad to get to talk to you today. I just had a question for you, if it's okay. Um, yes, it is. Your mom posts a lot of your exercises on um, Instagram, and I wondered between walking, running, playing soccer, and jump rope, what is your favorite activity? I think walking and jump rope are my favorites. Oh, really? I golf and I'm actually. I love that. What do you like about jumping rope? I like, I like it's good head uh, coordination. Yeah. And you've gotten so good at it. You can, how many jumps in a row can you do now? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Definitely more than a few, right? Yes. And I know, I know you like playing soccer with your dad. Yes. Do you like running and kicking the ball or do you like throwing it in? I like off it. Yeah. It's so nice that you can, you can bond with your dad and play yes. soccer yes. like that. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I love talking to you. Thank you. The welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Take care, Stephen. Goodbye. Well, is there other, are there other things that you wanted to um, talk about that we didn't get to last time about maybe, you know, additional services for kids once they age out um, of, of the only, services? I, did we talk at all about voc rehab? We did a little bit and you had mentioned that you just didn't have good luck with the classes he was in just because of no. some of the, the class <laughs> attendees were a little, a little rough. Um, <laughs> It's well, just I, when, for training, I guess. I, I mean, have you guys had, you said he hasn't had a job, obviously, in 10 years or so, um, or at, at all. At How all, How do we, with, with uh, I keep saying children, they're not children anymore, with young adults like our sons who can't really go right. to a, you know, nine to five, even three days a week and do the same thing for multiple right. hours. What do, what do we do? I mean, I, I've said on well, this podcast before, I don't want Skylar to what get on a bus every day and go to the zoo. Like I just, that's not what I mean for a day program. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, first of all, everyone that talks about jobs for people with disabilities, they immediately think that they're all capable of only working in a grocery store. And that is not to take away, working in a grocery store is fantastic. And I, it's not to take away from the people that do it. However, that would not be a good fit for Steven. First of all, he doesn't pay attention as well as he should to cars. Mm -hmm. He could never bag someone's groceries. And I hate to say never, but he would just throw them all in the bags yeah, and not pay attention. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The eggs would go under the watermelon. I mean, I, I mean, just, and he could have the training, but it's not something that he would enjoy. Right. And so what I mean by it's not for everyone, what we need, they, they need to start with Voc Rehab. Voc Rehab is another service they can get when they turn 18. They, again, have to qualify. Um, but the Voc Rehabilitation across the country is so over, 
overworked. The, their employees are so overworked and they are so, we, they need, they should be in all the meetings when your child is getting ready to age out of school, they should be in every single one of your IEP meetings um, the last year of your child's school, voc rehab, okay? But nine times out of 10, you will never see them there because they don't make it a priority and the school doesn't try to, you know, stay on them to, to make it a priority. Um, so you have to, once they graduate, you have to get on voc rehab to um, get, you know, get, get things started. And then once they get approved by voc rehab, they work with a counselor who generally does not know what they're doing. They um, um, have, they, they send you to classes, they're quote unquote, uh, they're supposed to help with job training, but that is just, uh, we've uh, viewed the job training and they have, it's like they take everybody, they have um, veterans, again, veterans, um, all forms of different disabilities, drug addicts, recovering alcoholics, and, and, and I want to make it clear, there is a, every single person I have mentioned deserves quality programs. However, they should not all be thrown in together, like a hodgepodge, which is what I call it, to try to meet their needs. You cannot meet their needs. You cannot meet an autistic child, uh, uh, adult's needs the same as you can meet the needs of a recovering drug addict. They require two totally separate rehabilitation programs, yep. but yet they are not offered. And I know this because I sat in the, the program, I mean, in the meetings with Stephen and it was just not good. I think they just I don't think know, it's I a don't. melting pot. You know, once you hit a certain age, every disability, it is every need, pot. everything is just all thrown into one. And it's just, you know, it's kind of like the old, um, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say old because maybe it's still this way in, in plenty of towns. But um, the, the, the um, I forget what they used to call it. Skylar was in the dis disabled room or something like that in a public school when he was real little. But it was just right. so many varying disabilities, kids in yes. wheelchairs, kids that needed, you know, 100% feeding, everything done. So right. it was so hard for them to, to meet his needs, you know, specifically what he needed help with and one-on-one -on -one and all that right. stuff. They can't. And, and it's impossible. They can't do and she, it. I mean, this poor yeah. teacher who we love and we're so close to now, she had like 12 kids and one age. Right. And I'm like, how I know. in the world, I wanted to volunteer and just come in and work with Skylar myself because I just felt so I, bad for I her. I did this. I, I wanted, yeah, I, well, that's why I went with Steven to these meetings. But why do they, does everyone not deserve their own circumstance? And if, if why can't Steven have a have and qualify and receive the training on a job that he would love to do and and higher educate and or higher education and why can't the other people in there have the same thing like this this is a perfect example that one of the uh, classes I was in um, there was a girl in there by herself she had severe cerebral palsy she could not even lift her head up her head was like on the desk and that's how she was listening to the woman of the in the meeting the the instructor of the meeting and i was like nobody is helping this girl by herself and fine 
She was all by herself. She had no one with her. And even the instructor did not help her. And she, it was, it was such a bad, that was the last meeting I went to. I said, I'm not going to anymore. But the, one of the guys who was in there and he was in there, he was uh, being rehabilitated for drug because he had, he and I were talking and he told me, um, and he spoke up and said, somebody needs to help her. And it was just, it was just sad. And I, and I was looking around that room and I thought, this is the best yeah. that our, this is our future. system has to offer. Yes, that's, scary. that's the best they had to offer. And Stephen is getting, is supposed to be, since this pandemic happened, it, you know, it's been changed, but he's supposed to go in be, because we moved um, in, which is not a bad thing, um, a new voc rehab program. And so I'm hoping that this will work for him. And I've just, Stephen and I t together have made the decision. If this does not work for him, mm -hmm. we are going on out on our own and we're going to do it ourselves. Yeah. It's too bad you guys, he likes to bake and stuff, right? And like be in the kitchen. And he does. He does. But you know, he's got mad computer skills. Okay. He could be fantastic with data input. He could be fantastic with, um, I mean, he types like 60 words a minute. He could do, he, he can design web pages. I mean, he, he's got so much potential, but it's about giving him a chance. And let me tell you, people hear, uh, employers hear the word autism and they run for their lives. And it might sound discriminatory, but it happens. Yeah, I just, the, we have um, the, the organization, um, it's called FEET, Families for Effective Autism Treatment, that started when Skylar was young. Um, I've been a member affiliated with them since, gosh, I can't remember when he was four or five. But anyway, they, um, a few years back, they started the Autism Friendly Business Initiative, where local businesses can go on and get certified um, to either be autism friendly to a patron of their, of their establishment or someone that um, has autism or a disability and that they can be employed there. Um, and there's yeah. so, it started out with just a handful. And I mean, it's like two pages worth of businesses, um, you know, dog treat bakeries and just all kinds of places that don't freak out when they see autism and they have signs on their doors, like little stickers that say autism friendly business. And, you know, those are the places that we need in all the communities that right. you know that would be a computer entry job, maybe a um, I don't even know, like a, a Humana kind of a place or something where they would just right. need someone to input some stuff or he would enjoy it. And they could have mm -hmm. someone kind of assigned to mentor him and kind of be right there if he needs them and assign him a small task to begin with and then gradually right. give him more things to do. Set him up for success. But the problem with that is it has to be individualized. Yeah. And right now, most of the Vogue Rehab do not have the, cannot do that. They cannot individualize people's programs. They don't have the staffing. Yeah. They don't have the money. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they just can't do it. So, you know, and, and another, I mean, you know, I would like to see maybe a school system pick him up. He would be fantastic at, um, in the mail room somewhere yeah. or, you know, anything like that. He's great at sorting things. He's great at, you know, labeling things, listing things. I mean, he, it's, it's just, and believe me, I've come after, and, and I appreciate it. This might seem a little harsh, but I went, you know, he used to volunteer 
and hopefully um, we're going to once this all we were looking for volunteer opportunities but then again this pandemic happened but um, when we were looking I was personally looking for a job for him and um, I approached somebody in the library and um, she was honest with me and she said listen uh, and she told me this, you know, she, she could, I could have gone after her for discrim discrimination and everything, but I, I wasn't about to do that because she was honest with me. And she said, we could not hire him because he, of the liability that he is. We don't have the staff to keep an eye to make sure he's safe, to make sure that there's, you know, um, that he's not, you know, he, somebody is not bothering him or he's not bothering right. somebody else. I mean, it's just the hard, cold facts. And she was honest and I appreciate honesty. Yeah. And she said what other people have not. It gives you something to work with at least. I mean, even, you yeah. know, I thought yeah. about the animal shelters and like, you know, they need people to take the dogs to help take the dogs out for a walk part of the day or yeah. just to, you know, I don't just anything at all that, I think it would sound demeaning to a lot of people, but if your child is someone who loves animals, or like you said, if your child is someone who loves computers, there has to be something they can do that, you know, they, they don't cause trouble. I think that's a misconception I that know. people- And they will be the hardest working employee you have. I will get- <laughs> No, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that, um, you know, they will be very hardworking. And, you know, in, in yeah. honesty, we wouldn't be- approaching someone like I certainly will not be going to anyone saying, Hey, would you employ Skylar? I know Skylar's not ready for that. I know, you know, he's already 17 at 22. Okay. He's probably not going to be the person that we're talking about. That's going to want to go and get a job. That's my reality. And that's fine. I would never put anyone in that uncomfortable situation of saying, well, just trust him. He'll be fine. He won't be fine. Right. I would need to sit next to him the whole time, but you wouldn't go and, and approach people about Steven doing a certain job if you were at all worried about his behavior, he's not that person, you know, they are friendly. They know no strangers. They, you know, they're good people. Exactly. And we're talking about five to 10 hours a week of work. Yeah. To, and we're not talking about 40 hours a week. That would be to pay too much. Like no. as much, yeah. you know, I mean, let's exactly. be honest. I don't expect exactly. $40 an hour or stuff like that. Exactly. But, you know, I, you know, I, I just think everyone deserves to do what their capabilities are. Yeah. And, you know, so I agree with you. We're just going to have to keep fighting, Kelly. I am. I am. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on here. And please thank Stephen for me for um, offering his, you know, two cents on his exercise regimen. <laughs> I definitely will. I definitely will. Well, thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Thank you so much. You take care too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.